All right, we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 7 this morning. <clears throat> Chris has already read it to you, so we won't, um, we won't read it again. But we're going to continue where we left off last week. Last week we were talking to you about um, believing God through our trouble. <clears throat> this week we're going to be talking about the sign of Emmanuel. Basically, if you will remember where we were at last week, basically the situation that we were dealing with is that the nation of Israel has been split into two kingdoms. The northern kingdom has been made up of uh, ten of the tribes of Israel. The southern kingdom is made up of two of the tribes of Israel. So as far as in size, you can probably go ahead and imagine that um, the northern kingdom of Israel is... um, is probably much bigger uh, in size than the southern kingdom of Judah. And so whenever we read in here, of um, sometimes it talks about Israel, or sometimes it talks about, um, I've heard uh, Chris pronounce it this morning as Ephraim, and I swear most people, I'm a redneck, so I say Ephraim. And so um, if, um, if you see that in the Bible, you'll know that, um, that that's what it's talking about. Sometimes uh, God refers to the northern kingdom as um, Ephraim, and then sometimes uh, he refers to the southern kingdom as Judah, or sometimes the house of David. It just depends. Reason being is because the reason, one of the main reasons why the kingdom split into two kingdoms is because the northern kingdom did not want to follow um, the house of David anymore. They wanted to raise up their own king. They didn't want the lineage of David. And the problem with that is that that was where the Messiah was predicted to come from. And so in essence, really one of the things that they did was reject the Messiah right off the bat, if you will. And so um, the northern kingdom is pretty much doomed. Uh, they They are going to be destroyed and there's no turning back from it. The southern kingdom of Judah still has a little bit of hope. Um, they have not quite went as far as the northern kingdom has in many of their sins. And God is still preaching to them. And He's still trying to, um, um, to lead them to repentance. and to He's still trying to save them from the, the coming destruction. And so they have this evil king over Judah, the southern kingdom. Uh, and even though he is part of the house of David, he's not been a good king. Uh, his name is Ahaz and he's an unbelieving king. Um, The Bible tells us that he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, even to the point of sacrificing his own children to false gods. Um, Just a a terrible king. Now, the situation that we're dealing with in this is that basically there are three major powers in the world at this time. Northern Israel is one major power, and then Syria is is another major power. And then Assyria is a superpower. Now what's happened is that Assyria is beginning to expand its borders and they are conquering everybody they come across. Northern Israel, Northern Israel and Syria have made a confederacy and they have decided that they are going to join together in hopes of defeating Assyria when they come in. They want the southern kingdom of Judah to join up with them in this confederacy. But Judah won't do it. They they, they will not join with northern Israel. They will not join with Syria. And so what happens is because Israel is rejected the house of David, 
they have decided that between them and Syria, they're going to come down to Judah and they are going to conquer Judah and they're going to set up their own king in the southern um, kingdom of, of Judah. And so God comes to, um, to King Ahaz through the prophet Isaiah. And he says to him, listen, don't be afraid of this confederacy that's going on. Don't run off and start trying to figure out your own way to save yourself. Uh, yes, destruction is coming. But if you will believe me, if you will trust me, I will save you. Destruction is coming. But there is still hope for you and Judah. Now keep in mind, Ahaz is an evil king. One of the worst that, that, that the kingdom of Israel has ever seen. And yet God comes to him through the prophet Isaiah and says, destruction is coming because of your sins. But if you will only believe me, if you will only trust me, I will save you. The problem with this is that Isaiah has been coming through for the last 16 years and he's been preaching the message that destruction is coming, 90% of Judah is going to be destroyed. You, you, you've got to turn away from your sins to, uh, and turn back to God and He'll save you. And during the course of this, the people's heart have become more and more hard toward God. Because how many of you know that sinners don't like to hear about the wrath of God coming, right? Matter of fact, most preachers today don't even preach on it anymore. You know why? Because they want people to come in and pad the pews. They're not worried about telling you the truth. They want to tell you what you want to hear so that you'll keep coming and keep giving your money. I'm a little different. I don't care if we turn the lights off in this place and I have to go back to my house and teach a handful of people. I'm okay with that. The truth of the matter is, destruction is coming. The wrath of God is coming because of sin. But if Ahaz will just believe, God will save him. As evil as he is. Now how many of you know that gives people like me hope? As sinful as I am, God knows my heart and God knows my mind and yet God comes to people like me and says, if you will believe my word and you'll trust me, I'll save you. The problem with Ahaz is that his heart has become more and more hardened his eyes have become blinded to the point that he don't want to see anymore. His ears have become to the point that he don't want to hear the things of God anymore. And now for the last 16 years, the true prophet of God has been preaching to him over and over and over and to all Judah, but they are hardened in heart, they're blinded in eyes, and their ears are stopped up and they do not want to hear the Word of God. And as a result of that, he comes to Ahaz one last time through Isaiah and he says, if you will just believe me, I'll save you. And then in verse 9 of Isaiah chapter 7, I want you to see what happens. He says, And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is the son of Ramelia. And here he's talking about Israel. Ephraim, again, he's talking about Israel. And he's saying that this is the head of, of Ephraim, that is Samaria, that's their capital. The head of Samaria is the son of Ramelia, this is their king. But then he says to Ahaz, if you are not firm in your faith, what's the consequence of it? You will not be firm at all. In other words, guys, 
Here is the only hope for the most sinful people or the least sinful people in the world. The only hope is that we stand firm in faith. We stand firm. And if we do not stand firm in faith, and faith alone, let me tell you something, if you are relying on your goodness to try to get you there, how many of you know that day after day you're going to be let down and you will not stand firm at all? The only way to stand firm in salvation and to trust that we will be saved is to just stand firm in faith. This is what God has promised. This is what God has said, and I believe it. And if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand firm at all. So that's the situation. Destruction is coming, um, and Ahaz, he's out here preparing for battle. He's running around checking his water supply. He's trying to figure out what, what he needs to do to make sure that uh, he's already in his mind preparing an alliance with Assyria. He's thinking to himself, here's what I'll do. Since Israel and Syria have teamed up to conquer us, I will align with the superpower and I'll have him come down and eat them up and then I'll be safe. But as one commentator says, that's like a little mouse that's being attacked by two bigger mice and he calls the cat. And he says, hey, come down here and eat these two mice for me. And guess what? The cat is happy to come down and eat the two mice, is he not? But what's he going to do when the two mice are eat up? And this is what Ahaz is doing. And God is trying to stop him from depending on his own security. God is trying to stop him from trusting in his own strength, from trusting in the strength of men. God is trying to stop him from trusting in salvation in anything, anything other than faith and faith alone. Are y'all tracking with me this morning? That's the situation. And God wants Ahaz to believe. And so here's what God does. God gives Ahaz a sign. And actually, He invites Ahaz to, to come up with a sign of His own. He says to him in verse 10 and 11, He says, And again the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol, or let it be as high as heaven. What does that mean? What can Ahaz ask for? You remember when uh, the, Joshua was fighting the battle and, the, and they needed more time to win? And Joshua said, Lord, can you make the sun stand still? And you remember what happened? The sun stopped. I, I, my, my memory's failing me. I don't remember for how long, but for a good period of time, the sun stood still. If Ahaz wants, he can ask for that again. If Ahaz wanted to right now, I believe he could say, yeah, could you bring Samuel back from the dead? Because I actually trust the prophet Samuel. Or if he wanted to, he could say, hey, could you, could you bring David back from the dead? And think about it. He said, ask it for as deep as Sheol. You know what that is, don't you? The place of the dead. The place of the dead. Or as high as the heaven. Ask any sign you want. Because here's the thing about it. God wants to encourage a sinner like Ahaz to believe Him. God wants Ahaz to be able to see that he will do what he promises he will do. 
Because how many of you know that many times because of our sinfulness and who we are, we don't really believe that God will do what He said He'd do? Why in the world would God save somebody like me? Why in the world would God just forgive somebody like me? Why would He just say to trust Him by faith and to believe Him by faith? Why would God do something like that for somebody like me? And God says, Ahaz, I want you to believe. And because I want you to believe, ask a sign of anything that you want to ask for, and I will do it to encourage you to believe. However, Ahaz has already decided that he's going to trust in man, that he's going to trust in the armies of Israel. If you were to look at 2 Kings chapter 15, verses 5-9, through 9, it gives us some insight into actually what's going on here. 2 Kings chapter 16, verse 5 through 9. Look at what Ahaz is actually doing. Then Rezin, king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, and that's the king of Israel, he came up to wage war on Jerusalem, and they besieged Ahaz, but they could not conquer him. At that time, Rezin, the king of Syria, recovered Elath. This was old Philistine territory. And so he's beginning to take some of the kingdom back, away from them. Now Jerusalem's not being conquered, but the kingdom of Judah is diminishing. All right, And so he drove the men of Judah from Elath, and the Edomites came to Elath, where they dwell to this day. So Ahaz sent messengers to tiglath pileser king of Assyria. Remember, this is the superpower. He's calling the cat in for the mice. Saying, I am your servant, and I am your son. Where's he putting his hope and his trust at for salvation? And he says, Come up and rescue me from the hand of the king of Syria and from the hand of the king of Israel who are attacking me. Ahaz also took the silver and gold that was found in the house of the Lord and in the treasures of the king's house, and he sent a present to the king of Assyria. And the king of Assyria listened to him. Remember, the cat is happy to come eat mice. It's a, he's happy to do this. Not only that, this guy is going to pay this cat to come eat mice. And then he says, and the king of Assyria listened to him. The king of Assyria marched up against Damascus, which was the capital of Syria, and he took it, carrying its people captive to Ker, and he killed Rezin. When King Ahaz went to Damascus to meet tilglath pileser king of Assyria, he saw the altar that was at Damascus. And King Ahaz sent to Uriah the priest a model of the altar and its pattern exact in all its details. And Uriah the priest built the altar in accordance with all that King Ahaz had sent from Damascus. So Uriah the priest made it before King Ahaz arrived from Damascus. And when the king came from Damascus, the king viewed the altar. Then the king drew near to the altar and went up on it and burnt his burnt offering, his grain offering, poured his drink offerings, threw the blood of his peace offerings on the altar. And the bronze altar that was before the Lord, he removed from the front of the house, from the place between his altar and the house of the Lord, and he put it on the north side of his altar. Let me just sum all this up for you without reading the rest of it. King Ahaz has already made up in his mind that I don't trust the Lord to save me. I don't trust the Lord to do what He said He was going to do. I don't even want to hear what the prophet Isaiah has to say I am going to decide for myself what I need to do in order to save my own life and to do what I need to do in this life. 
I'm not going to trust the Lord. I'm not going to find my joy and my strength and my security in the promises of God. I'm going to find my joy and my strength and my security in other things of this world. That's what Ahaz has already made up his mind to do. And now, after he does this, he goes and he makes an altar to the false gods just like Assyria has, and he moves the altar of the Lord out from the, the way of the house of the Lord, puts the false gods altar in place, and begins to offer his own sacrifices to these false gods on this altar. Ahaz has completely rejected the Lord in all ways possible. But he's not done it at this point in Isaiah chapter 7 yet. But he has already made up his mind that this is what he's going to do. And God comes through Isaiah and he tries to stop Ahaz. And, or not tries to stop, but he, here's the thing about it. God knows what Ahaz is going to do. But Ahaz will never be able to stand before God and say, I didn't have a chance to be saved. God already knows what you are going to do in your life. But you will not be able to stand before God and say, I didn't have an opportunity to trust in you, God. Everyone will have this opportunity to believe God or disbelieve God one way or the other. And so God says, Ahaz, I want you to believe. So ask a sign of anything you want. And then notice what happens in verse 12 of Isaiah 7. But Ahaz said, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the test. Now this seems like, this seems like humility here, don't it? This sounds like, I'm, I'm just going to trust what the Lord has to say. I don't need a sign. I, I just believe Him. Well, here's the problem. We know that's not true because we know what Ahaz actually does, right? And he doesn't believe God. So what's going on here? Well, let me explain it to you. Ahaz's heart has become so hardened toward the things of God that when the preacher comes and preaches the truth, he don't even want to hear it. Isaiah is standing before him, preaching to him the truth, giving him the gospel of the Lord, and yet Ahaz sits there and listens to it, and his heart just stays hardened, his ears stay stopped up, his eyes stay blinded, and this is exactly what God said would happen in Isaiah chapter 6. Look at um, Isaiah 6 verse, um, verse 9 through 13. This is the message that God told Isaiah to preach. And he said, go and say to this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull. Make their ears heavy. Blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, lest they hear with their ears, lest they understand with their ears, and they turn and be healed. And then Isaiah said, Lord, how long? And he said, until the cities lay waste. In other words, until the destruction comes. Until the wrath comes. Without inhabitant houses, without people, land is a desolate waste. The Lord removes people far away. The forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tenth remain in it. You know what that tells you about the destruction? 90% is going to be wiped out. 90% are not going to believe. 90% are not going to be saved. Now I'm not telling you 
that we can say that 90% of the world is not going to be saved. But I am telling you that he said very plainly that Judah, 90% are not going to be saved. But he's not going to destroy 100%. You know why? Because the promise of God is wrapped up in Judah. God has promised that there will always remain a king on the throne of David forever and ever. And that one day there will come a king from this throne that the government will be on his shoulders and he will rule over everything and everyone and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And so 10% will be saved. 10% will believe. But now go back with me to Isaiah chapter 7 because... Ahaz here is now trying to put on this false humility and he says, I'm not going to ask the Lord for a sign. I wouldn't dare put the Lord to the test. And the truth of the matter is, he's just blowing Isaiah off. The preacher's up here preaching his heart out to Ahaz. Here's the gospel. Here's what's happening. You know destruction is coming. Will you believe? And Ahaz says, ah, yeah. Okay. And then notice what happens next. Isaiah's had about all he can take in verse 13. And he said, Hear then, O house of David. Notice that exclamation mark beside of it. Hear then, O house of David. Is it too little for you to weary men? In other words, Isaiah here looks at Ahaz and all the house of David and he says, Is it too little for you to weary me? It's one thing for you to weary the preacher. But it's another thing for you to weary my God. And notice what he says to Ahaz next. He don't say, but to weary your God, Ahaz, because guess what? Ahaz has just proved that Isaiah's God is not Ahaz's God. And so he says here, it's one thing for you to weary me. I can get fed up with you. (laughs) We can get fed up with each other pretty quick, can't we? It's one thing for you to weary me, but it's another thing for you to weary God. All day long, God says through Isaiah that God has stretched out His hand to a disobedient, to a rebelling, sinful people. Come to me. Come to me. Believe me. Trust me. Follow me. I will save you. I will save you. I will save you. He said, all day long I have outstretched my hands to a disobedient, rebellious people, but they will not come. They will not hear. It's one thing for you to weary the preacher. It's another thing for you to weary God. You've heard this message enough is basically what he's saying. You've heard this message enough. And then he says, Therefore, because you weary not just me, but God, therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. But this is not going to be a good sign for Ahaz. See now, to the 10% believing, this is a good sign. Because this sign that God gives is evidence to this 10% that God is going to save. To the 90% that don't believe, this is a sign that God was true in what He said and destruction is coming and I'm part of it because I didn't believe. Y'all see where I'm going with this? And so He says here, Therefore, the Lord your God, He Himself will give you a sign. And here's the sign that He gives. He says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call His name Emmanuel. Now remember, Ahaz don't want no sign. He don't even want to hear Isaiah. Isaiah, I got water to take care of. Isaiah, I got a kingdom to take care of. Isaiah, I got alliances that need to be made. Preacher, I got a job. Preacher, I got too many other things going on in the world on Sunday. 
Preacher, I'm too busy to be serving the Lord and following Him and doing this. Preacher, there's just too much going on for me to be coming and listening to the Word of God. I don't want to hear it anymore. I'll ask you again, are you tracking with me? And so he says, I'll tell you what, even though you don't want no sign, I'm going to give you a sign. The virgin is going to conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. In other words, the bad part of this sign is that destruction is coming and the evidence of it is when you see this child and the virgin maiden names him Emmanuel, you're going to know that I told you. Now in the immediate context, we don't know the details, but it is likely that there really was a young woman of marriageable age because some of your versions may translate this instead of virgin, it may translate it young woman. And it comes from a Hebrew word that means a young woman of marriageable age. Now what was an important characteristic of a young Hebrew woman at marriageable age? That she'd be a virgin, right? And so you can translate this any way that you want, but it was very likely that in the immediate context, Ahaz probably knew some woman that was, may have been one of his wives for all we know. May have been a royal princess in the line of David for all we know. But in the immediate context, there was likely some woman that was a virgin at the time that was going to marry and have a child. And that child was going to be named Emmanuel. And whenever Ahaz saw this child come to birth and saw the mother name her Emmanuel, Ahaz is going to look at this and go, uh-oh. God's fixing to do what He said He was going to do. And that's not good for me. Now for the ones that are believers, they look at that sign and they go, God is going to do what He said He's going to do. And do you know why they do that? Because what does God, what does Emmanuel mean? God is with us. God is with us. Enemy, you can throw everything you got at us, but the promise of God to us and the sign He has given us is that God is with us. Look with me at Isaiah chapter 8, verse 9 and 10. Isaiah chapter 8, verse um, 9 and 10. Or actually, um, yeah, 9 and 10. He says, Be broken, you peoples, and be shattered. Give ear, all you far countries. Strap on your armor and be shattered. Strap on your armor and be shattered. Take counsel together, but it will come to nothing. Speak a word, but it will not stand. Why? Here's the point. Here's what God just said to the enemy for all of the believers and for all the people who trust Him. To the enemies, He said, put your armor on. Come on, Satan. Put your armor on. Come on, demons. Armor up. Put your swords on. Come on. Be shattered. Throw everything you got at us. But you better know one thing. It will not stand. You know why? Because God is with us. That's the promise. So for the believers, when they see this sign... Now ultimately we know that it was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Look with me at Matthew chapter 1, verse 20 through 24. Matthew chapter 1, verse 20 through 24.
Matthew 1 verse 20 says, But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Ultimately, this was fulfilled in Jesus. And the sign to you and I, the, the, the message is the same to us as it was to Ahaz. Church, I bring you the same message that Ahaz received. Destruction is coming. And the Bible tells us that when Ahaz and the people received this message, that their hearts shook like the trees in a forest wind when a storm comes through. They had great terror that fell upon them. And this was just because of a worldly army that was coming down. I'm telling you today that there's a godly wrath coming against you. And one day, destruction is coming. And that ought to make you shake even worse than what the message Ahaz received is if you understand it. The Bible tells us that for those that do not believe God and do not trust in Him and do not stand firm in faith, the Bible tells us that those that do not do that are going to suffer eternal damnation. That means that the wrath of God will never end on you. You've got that message. And God has promised that He will save you. And God has given a sign to prove to you that He will do what He said He will do. What is the sign? The virgin is going to conceive and bear a son. And His name is going to be Jesus because He will save His people from His sins, from their sins. And it will fulfill the prophecy that Isaiah said that God was going to give you a sign that He would save you because He's going to be Emmanuel, God with us. And if God is with us... So go ahead, Satan. Go ahead, enemies. Throw everything you got at us. And will He? You better believe He will. But the promise of God is this. I will be with you, and He will lose. I will be with you and I will save you. And your joy and your security and your strength comes from trusting and standing firm in that. Let me tell you something. If you try to stand firm in anything else, you will not stand at all. Anybody in here that wants to stand firm and find their joy and their security and their health? You know, I, people, I know people that they, they work on their health and their bodies and they go to the gyms and that's what I usually do at least once a year, maybe. <coughs> But there are a lot of people that they put all their security in their health and maintaining health and trying to be all that they can be. And yet, what are they going to do one day as healthy as they are, but they go to the doctor because they got a little pain in their hip and the doctor says, you got three months to live. Are they standing firm anymore? 
What are you going to do when you work your whole life to make sure that you have security to be able to put food on the table and a roof over your head and, and cars to drive and that your kids have everything they've ever wanted and you spend your entire life to make sure that all of that comes to pass and then one day work calls and says, we don't need you anymore. Or the economy crashes and um, you lose everything you've got. Or the doctor comes in and says, you've got one month to live. What does it matter? If you do not stand firm in faith in the promise of God, you will not stand firm at all. One day you will be crushed. The only place that true joy and true security can come from, the only place that a firm foundation can come from is when our faith is in one thing and one thing alone. And that's that God has promised that if you will believe Me and you will stand firm in the faith of the hope that I give you, I will be with you. And the enemy can throw anything he wants at you, but you will not lose. You will not lose. If you do not stand firm in faith, you, do, you will not stand firm at all. And this is the sign that I give you. And so go back to Isaiah chapter 7 and we'll finish up. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 15. It says, this boy, Emmanuel. Remember, Ahaz probably, probably knew this boy when he was born. And he looked at him and he realized that it's not going to be long before this comes to pass. And here's what's going to happen to Ahaz. It says, the boy shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. In other words, before the boy matures to an age of accountability to be able to make decisions of right and wrong on his own, and how long does that usually take? Not real long. At the most, most people say 12 years old. At the most. I'd say it's a lot lower than that. My son's seven years old, and he knows the difference between right and wrong. He knows how to choose the good and reject the evil, if he'll do it. And so, before this time period of him learning how to be able to do this takes place, he's going to be eating curds and honey. You know why? Because destruction has come and devoured the land. Destruction has come. The wrath of God has come. In other words, guys, we don't have much time. How many of y'all know that already? But yet, we always think we got tomorrow, don't we? Church, we don't have much time. You don't have much time. Time is not something you have the luxury of enjoying. He says here, He shall eat curds and honey. And then in verse 16, For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. In other words, before this boy comes that age, I'm going to wipe out Israel, the northern kingdom, and I'm going to wipe out Syria. They're not even going to be a nation anymore. Before this happens, you're going to see that I am going to take care of this. And then notice what's going to happen to those that don't believe in verse 17. The Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. In other words, you going the very thing that you're putting your hope and your security in is the very thing that's going to turn on you and come against you. And it's the same way in this world today. The very thing that you find your joy and your security in in this life is the very thing that will one day crush you. For some of us and us as parents, we find our joy and our security in our children. 
Our children are everything. You better be careful. One day God could turn that thing around and those children to be the very thing that crushes you. And then will you be standing firm? Your jobs, your money, your health, all those things that you put your security in and you've put your faith in and you put your trust in, that could be the very thing that God turns around and causes that very thing to crush you and be the very thing that takes all your joy and all your security away. Am, am I preaching to anybody this morning? Verse 18, In that day the Lord will whistle for the fly that is at the end of the streams of Egypt and for the bee that is in the land of Assyria, and they will all come and settle in the steep ravines. He, he paints a picture here. He says that's going to be the very thing that God does. Whatever it is that you find your joy and your security and whatever it is that you put your faith in, that's the very thing that God is going to go. And He turns it around. And He brings it out of its land to crush you. And then He goes on and He says here in verse 19, And they will all come and settle in the steep ravines and in the clefts of the rocks and on all the thorn bushes and on all the pastures. In that day the Lord will shave with a razor that is hired beyond the river with the king of Assyria. And here's another thing you need to know. They're going to hire the Egyptians to come in. And they think that Egypt's going to come and be their Savior. They think that Assyria's going to come and be their Savior. And God said, I'm going to use Assyria to shave the head of Egypt. And I'm going to, to use them to come in and destroy you, the very thing that you're finding your security in, and then He says, the head and the hair and the feet, it will sweep away the beard also. In that day, a man will keep alive a young cow and two sheep. In other words, land can't be farmed anymore. And because of the abundance of milk that they give, He will eat curds, for everyone who is left in the land will eat curds and honey. In that day, every place where there used to be a thousand vines worth a thousand shekels of silver will become briars and thorns. All that stuff you put your security in and you found your hope and your joy in, guess what? It ain't going to be worth nothing. Johnny Cash, before he died, one of the last songs that he sung, he didn't write it, but it was a song that was called Hurt. And it was a song that actually a rock band called Nine Inch Nails, I believe, was the, the original um, writer of this song. But in this song, it basically, Johnny Cash says... Um, you can have it all. My entire empire of dirt. You can have it all. Go home and pull it up on YouTube. Look up Johnny Cash Hurt. H-U-R-T. And listen to the words of that song. Because Johnny Cash had an empire. He had an empire. But at the end, he realized, you know how much it was worth? It's an empire of dirt. And you know what? You can have it all. You know why? Because none of it matters now. And yet I live my whole life for it. I live my whole life for this empire and none of it matters now. He says in verse 22 again, or 23, In that day, every place where there used to be a thousand vines worth a thousand shekels of silver, it will become briars and thorns. With bow and arrows, a man will come there. You know why? because all it's good for anymore is hunting wild game. For all the land will be briars and thorns, and as for all the hills that used to be hoed with a hoe, this was such a beautiful place. 
You will not come there for fear of the briars and the thorns, but they will become a place where cattle are let loose and where sheep tread. In closing, you've heard the message. Destruction is coming. Because of our sin, and let me tell you something, we're no different than Ahaz. Ahaz. Maybe you've never made your children walk through the fire and sacrifice them to another god, but do you really think for one second you're any less sinful than he is? You're not. Destruction is coming because of our sin. And that should make you shake like a forest wind shaking a tree when it comes through. But God has made a promise to you. You've also heard the same message of salvation that God has given Ahaz. And He's given you a promise that if you will believe, if you will stand firm in faith, if you will find your joy and your strength in His promises during your darkest times, if we will be firm in this faith, He will save you. And He's given you a sign to believe it. He said, I'm going to give you a sign that is higher than the heavens and deeper than the grave. A virgin is going to conceive a child. Anybody in here ever heard of that before? A virgin is going to conceive a child. His name's going to be Jesus, and He will save you from your sins. And He will be called Emmanuel to fulfill the prophecy that God is with us. And that is His promise. And that's not the only sign you've received. God said, let me show you another sign. He's going to die for your sins. But did He stay dead? He defeated everything the enemy could throw at Him. The enemy threw everything he had at Him. And yet Jesus looked at every bit of it and said, throw everything you got at me, but you're going to lose. You know why? Because God is with us. God is with us. And so I simply say to you this morning, church, don't let your eyes go, keep getting blind. Don't let your ears keep going deaf. Don't let your heart keep growing dull. When you hear the Word of God, you trust it. You believe it with all of your heart. You put your faith in it and you stand firm in it. And you want to know how you're going to know whether or not you're actually doing that? Because remember, Ahaz acted like he believed. Yeah, yeah, Isaiah, I don't need a sign. I just believe God. But did Ahaz really believe? You know how we know? He didn't follow God, did he? He didn't trust God. He went his own way. He followed his own path. He did his own thing. You want to know if you're standing firm in faith? You want to know if you're, if you're trusting the Word of God, believing what He says? Look at your life. What does it say? What does your life say? If your life is walking a path that says, I'm following Him because I trust His direction, I trust the way that He's going, then you can rest assured that you're standing firm in faith. And no matter what the enemy throws at you, you can stand with joy and you can stand in security because at the end, you win because God is with you. But if you don't believe, today is the day for you to either repent and truly trust God, believe Him, and make a confession of faith today to say, God, I'm going to follow You with my life. I'm going to pursue You. I'm going to learn about You. I'm going to follow Your direction in my life. And if you're willing to do that, He'll save you today. But if you're not willing to do that, I want to tell you, one day the sign is going to be a bad thing for you. And you're going to recognize that God was true and your life was a lie.
Today is your day. Today is the day of salvation. If you need to repent of your sins and confess Him as Lord and Savior today, today is your day. It is completely up to you. You come take me by the hand. You say, Preacher, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to pray. But I know what you say is true. And I know that I want to be saved. And I promise you, God will save you. If He'd offered to save a king like Ahaz, would He not save someone like you? Today is your day. Whatever you need. If y'all would stand for a time of response.